Welcome back to the Pace Journal Review Show. Joined alongside by the man himself, Tamal Mills. We spoke about England versus India, the first test, and looked towards the second test. Well, India have won that in dominating fashion by 317 runs. What a victory it was for them and what a bounce back after losing the first test. Tamal, your thoughts on the second test? It was a, a really a quite convincing victory for India, winning it by such a big margin on the fourth day. What were your thoughts? Welcome to the Yeah, look, as obviously an England fan, it wasn't as uh, as good to watch as the first test, but it, it was really entertaining game, wasn't it? It was it was good viewing in terms of um, entertainment. There was obviously big turn from day one. There was a lot of people complaining about the pitch. Uh, to be fair, there, there wasn't a lot of or if any complaining coming out of the England camp. It was more on social media, people saying, "Ah, oh, test cricket it shouldn't turn that much on day one," but. You know, I'm of, I'm of the opinion that if, if you're the home team, you should you should prepare whatever pitch you feel is going to give you the best chance to win. And obviously that was um, the case in in this Test match with it, it it turning square. They obviously learned their lessons, I think, from India's from the first the first match in Chennai where it was it was pretty flat those first couple of days, and then obviously reverse swing and a bit more turn came into it as the game came on and as the game went on. Sorry, and that obviously played into the hands of the English. And uh, this time they were like, nah, this 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 pitch is going to turn." Immediately, and we're gonna we're gonna dominate the game. Ravi Ashwin was was outstanding, wasn't he? And Axar Patel, he missed the first game through injury, but he um, he had a brilliant debut as well. So um, yeah, like really really good performance from India all around. Started off with Rohit Sharma, obviously, um, you know, on day one, and they didn't look back from there. Yeah, let's just go through the scorecard quickly. Obviously, Rohit Sharma getting 161. That was the innings to me that set set up um, India for that big 329 score, which was more like 600 on that surface. Um, and also 50s from Ajinkya Rahane and Rishabh Pant. The Pant one took, sort of took the game away from England, I thought, towards the end. And then when England went out to bat, nobody except Ben Folks, who we're going to touch on, um, coming into this test match, really looked the part. He got 42. And in terms of the bowling, Ravi Chandra and Ashwin. Oh, Ashwin was fantastic in this game. Five wickets for him. Uh, and then continuing up, we saw 50s from Virat Kohli. And then Ravi Chandra and Ashwin again getting a massive 100 which really then put the game away uh, for, for India. So a lot to talk about in this one. In terms of, let's speak about Ravi Chandra and Ashwin first up. Uh, and even the spinners of both teams. But let's talk about Ashwin first. Talk to me about his contribution in this game. Oh, it can't get much better, can it? Obviously, plenty of wickets in the game. But outstanding 100 in the second innings. Obviously, when the pitch was probably turning... It's biggest. He managed to score a hundred. Uh, obviously, in his own home conditions, there was a lot spoken about. He's from Chennai, grew up there, played all his cricket there growing up. So he obviously knew that knows the place very well. Would have batted out on that middle a lot of times, I would have thought. But like, he's, he's obviously a world class bowler. Uh, didn't get any runs in the first innings. Just going through the scorecard now. But straight away, opening the bowling in the second innings, twenty three overs. Him and Axar Patel bowled for most of the England innings. He picked up five in the first in the first dig. So. Um, He's just a high-class performer, isn't he? I think I saw he's only he only trails Ian both of them now in terms of games where he um, he has five wickets and a hundred. He overtook the likes of you know, Gary Sobers, Jack Callis, some of the great all-rounders of the game. So um, it was also his first Test hundred, uh, not against the West Indies, not against your boys. Um, so he's he's got five hundreds, and all four uh, previously had come against the West Indies. So that was um, that was nice for him, I'm sure, just to get another one against another team. 
Um, but like he was, he was world class. He was the, you know, the the main difference alongside Rohit Sharma in in terms of this game. Um, about 100 in the second innings, what, 148 balls, batting with the tail as well, uh, managing that, farming the strike and playing his shots as well. So he's he's a well, he always has been a world class bowler. But you get him in those conditions, and he's almost unplayable because he can spin the ball both ways. He's got the carom ball. He's got you know he undercuts them. He puts overspin on them. He's got he's got all the tricks. And uh, on, a, on a pitch like they had in Chennai, he was pretty much unplayable. Yeah, it's interesting. You, I heard you mention the fact that you agree with the home advantage and, and you should prepare pitches for, you know, to, to your team, best suited to your team. Do you think this game was won at the toss? Because let me, let me just put some context here. Regardless of your answer, I think we do need to, India do deserve credit. Obviously, they are playing at home, but they scored 615 runs in the test and where England only scored 298 total. So they did bat well on the pitch, which was very tough to bat on, as we saw in the first innings. Um, but would you say it was, it was sort of a game decided at the toss when India won the toss and batted first quite obviously? A little bit. There's, obviously, there's been a lot of chat about that. People saying, oh, yeah, win the toss, win the game. But it, it, it turned early. It turned on day one. It was, um, I think Rohit Sharma was playing on a, on a different pitch to, to everybody else in that first innings. You know, England were able to chip away kind of in and around him. Obviously, uh, Rahani and then Rishabh Pant came in and, and played obviously very good innings also. But Rohit Sharma just made it look so different uh, to anybody else. And I think that's the benefit of, you know, obviously being a home player on home tracks. You do come across it more often. The English batters, they won't bat on, on pitches like that very often. So it is alien to them. They make their game plans aren't as secure. They don't have the scoring options that they do on, on flatter wickets or on seeming wickets. Um, so I, I think you have to give huge credit to Rohit Sharma because as I said, it was it was turning a lot on day one. See so Stuart Broad and Ollie Stone. They, they had a quick blast with the new ball. Ollie Stone looked good in, in his only second test, I believe. But then after that, there was a lot of bowling from Jack Leach and Mo and Ali that was turning, but made to look really average from the Indian batters. So the toss did play did play a big part of it, but I, I think I, I don't think if England would have batted first, they they would have scored you know three two nine as as um, as the Indians did. Yeah, we have to give them credit. And obviously, you mentioned the spinners. Thirty three out of the forty wickets in this match were all by spin. So only seven wicket, wickets by the pacer. Um, but before we even get into the, the analysis of the bowlers themselves. In terms of selection, Tamar, because we sat down, we thought in the, after the last test that we would see Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad, um, England opting to rest Anderson, probably for that third test, which we will talk about in our next episode, um, but, and, and opting to play an Ollie Stone, who was one of the quick, on the quicker side, and then Stuart Broad as well. And, and even dropping Don Best from the team, who probably was a little inconsistent in the first test. In terms of selection-wise, were you surprised uh, from both teams' perspectives? Aksar Patel came in, got five wickets on debut. We saw Kuldeep Yadav. He didn't feature too much with the ball. Jasper Broomer was rested as well. So from that point of view, were you surprised with any selections that you saw from both teams? Uh, a little bit. We were made, I was made to look a little bit silly at the end of the, the last show. I said, yes, yeah, stay with the same team. And then they made, what, five five changes, I think. But um, it, England, they are, they're being very stringent with their plans in terms of resting guys, giving time, guys time off. So they've just mm. come from Sri Lanka. They've played two tests there in a bubble. They had to quarantine on arrival in India. So they're having, they've, they've taken a big squad out there with them. They're letting guys go back home. Um, obviously, Jofra Archer's had a, a slight elbow injury. They're saying it's not the same. You know, he had a stress fracture in his elbow uh, last winter. They're saying it's not related to that, but he had to have an injection. So he obviously he had to sit out this test. So, um, yeah, I was surprised Jimmy Anderson didn't play, but um, I'm sure it was always part of the plan to, to rotate the squad. So 
they were left with Stuart Broad was always going to play, obviously being the senior bowler that left that was set out the first game. And then they were left with the choice between Chris Wokes and Ollie Stone. And they made the right choice going for Stone with that extra pace. I feel if you had Wokes and Broad, that's two bowlers that, you know, are, are a little bit too similar in terms of pace. Ollie Stone does have that extra pace pushing in and around 90 mile an hour. Um, it was good to see him play. He's a guy I know well. We grew up in the same area back home, back in Norfolk. Both support the same football team. It's not an area known for... Uh, for, for bringing through cricketing talent. So it's nice to see Oli get a game. And he, he did really well. We got a wicket with his third ball, um, getting Shubman Gill to shoulder arms, one ball, one ball that kind of just carried on into the into the right-handed batter. Um, but yeah, he, he did really well. He bowled really straight. He obviously had a clear plan to attack the stumps, used the short ball, uh, was used in short bursts, as we know. Obviously, a lot of the bowling, as you say, was, was, was spin bowling. So a lot of time stood around in the field, stood at square legs, stood down at um, maybe on the boundary somewhere. So... Um, it, was, it was a tough, tough scenario to make your, what only your second test appearance in. But I thought Ollie Stone did really well and he outbowled Stuart Broad, which is no mean feat. And also, Tamal, how as a fast bowler in these sort of conditions, I mean, you've been to India, you played for the Royal Challengers Bangalore, for example, but the conditions were way different to this. The pitch was way different. How as a fast bowler in a test match do you bowl and what sort of mindset do you have thinking? in a test match like this, first of all, you know, going into it, well, looking at the surface, I'm not going to have a huge impact, but then still to have the impact that Ollie Stone did, where he took, you know, I think it was five wickets. So, um, yeah, he, he still was able to extract something and, and still bowl well and challenge the batters. So how do you think as a fast bowler? Yeah, it's tough. It's, it, it does all come down to mindset at the end of the day. And, applying yourself, identifying really what your role is, what, when those key moments are in the game. I remember going on a, an England A tour, a four-day tour to Sri Lanka where we played three, four-day games. And it's a, you know, it's a similar situation. You know you're, you're not going to be bowling all day. You're not going to be bowling long spells with the ball swinging and seeming around. So you, you, know, sorry, you know that when you need to, um, to step up, it's really on you to deliver. Whether you've got that brand new ball in your hand when it might do a little bit, might, might swing, might seem, you might get something. Um, or if it's coming later on in the innings and, and reverse swings the key, or if the two batsmen are set and you need to bowl three overs, you know, really as fast as you can with some short stuff, be um, be strategic with with your fields. Um, it's um, it's it's really important that you switch on. It's, it's tough, as you say. There's going to be long periods when you're just stood in the field. Ball might not come to you for a while. You're stood at mid off. You're stood at deep square leg. It's easy to drift. It's easy to not um, be ready, but you know, as soon as, as the captain throws you the ball, you, you've got to be on it. Because if you if you bowl two or three errant balls and you get hit for a couple of boundaries, you know you're getting taken out of the attack because the 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 captain are more likely to just go back to his spinners and try and get the control back. So it's um it's a tough role being a fast bowler in a you know a two man paced attack. Um, it, there's pressure on you to perform because as you say, you haven't got the res reserves. It's not like you're playing on a, a green seamer when you've got four fast bowlers playing and. If one person's having a bad day, you've got other guys to pick up the slack. So um, it, it, it's tough and it's all about mindset and it's all about being ready and and staying in the game, even believing you're in the game, sorry, even when you know you're probably not not quite in it um, where, you, where you'd like to be. Yeah, and in terms of, of the seamers, just to start for you, the English seamers bowled 44.5 overs in the game and India seamers only bowled 19 overs. So... As a captain, and, and just a correction there, Ollie Stone actually only took four wickets, not five. But as a captain, as Joe Root, for example, how, how sparingly, how sparingly, sorry, do you use your pacers? What's the thinking behind the moments that you can? I thought personally, 
in the second innings. I would have liked to see Strutt brought a bit earlier. He only bowled nine overs. But when he did come on, he was bowling the leg cutter, for example. And I was getting the ball to beat the batsman. And, I mean, we saw Ben Fox keeping up to the stumps, which we're going to talk about Ben Fox uh, very soon. But in terms of Strutt Broad, do you think Joe Root could have maybe used him a bit more? And how do you think as a captain in terms of using your paces on surfaces like these? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? First of all, kind of two points. I think you're right when you said, I, I remember watching that spell where Stuart Broad, who was bowling that, that quick leg cutter and it was, you know, it was, it was essentially like a fast leg spinner, wasn't it? It was, um, it was definitely moving off the pitch. You'd see the big puffs of dust when you'd hit a certain area on the track um, and it was moving you know, quite a lot and the batsman didn't really have an answer to it. He's so good at that ball, as I've spoken about before, the, the amount of energy he's still able to get onto the ball whilst rolling his wrist down is, is really impressive. A lot of guys will bowl that as a slower ball and it'll just kind of, you know, fart out with nothing on it, but he's able to get that bite onto it. So um, it's a tricky balance how much you use them. And I think India obviously bowled less pace because of the quality of their spinners. When you've got, when you've got Ravi Ashwin, you know, doing what he was doing from one end, you, you don't need to take him off. Whereas, uh, and sorry, and, and sorry, I put some, some credit to, um, to Axar Patel as well. He did really well. Obviously the left arm spinner, he mixes up his pace. He can bowl it quickly into the surface and get turned as well. And then Kuldeep Yadav is obviously a genuine leg spinner as well, left arm leg spinner as well. So England England don't quite have that quality of spin. So they go back to their pace a little bit more often. Whereas, as you say, India don't really have to change it. They can literally just park Ravi Ashwin at one end and just um, let him go about his work. Whereas England England were a little bit looser you know, with uh, Leach and Moen Ali in particular. It took a little little longer to to get into his kind of spell having had it having had a quite a long time out of test match cricket he was bowling obviously some loose balls in between some some really nice ones as well yeah and he was obviously still able to get um those four wickets in, in the Indian second innings as well so he did come on to and obviously with the bat in in the fourth innings as well um but you make an interesting point about Oxar Patel and I want to tell all the viewers out there all of our Pace Journal family um, I, we're going to be focusing in our next show, which is previewing the third test and obviously looking at the rest of the series. Um, I want to focus definitely on, on England's weakness to the left arm spin because we saw it in Sri Lanka with Embul Denia. And, and now we're seeing it with Aksar Patel. I thought he was leaps and bounds better than Shabazz Nadim, who we saw in the first test. And I give him credit, you know, on debut. Obviously, as you said, he's someone that plays in home conditions. Um, but, but still to be able to bowl that well, I thought he was very consistent and disciplined. So look out for that, guys. In the next show, we're going to be talking a lot about um, the left arm spin to England because that, that's obviously a big factor in this series. But um, just before we wrap up, Tamal, tell me in terms of Ollie Stone, just let's focus on him for one minute. How impressed were you with his consistency, his discipline, his challenge to the batsman? You, you touched on him a bit earlier, but... Is this a possible, is what he's done in this test, is it now a possibility that he can play more often in this series going forward? Yeah, it's difficult. He, he finds himself in a slightly similar situation to Ben Folks, where he's kind of a, obviously a capable player. He's proven it, but at the back of quite a long queue of, of, um, of more than capable players ahead of him, obviously Broad, Anderson, Wokes, Archer, Wood. Um, there's a, a lot, England have, have obviously blessed with a lot of talented pace bowlers, but like you said, he's, he hasn't played very much test cricket. He's had a lot of injury problems over the last um, few years, but he's he's got everything that, that, that an England team look for. He's got that natural pace. He bowls, he's got that kind of good, tall, repeatable action. Um, and he can move the ball as well. He's a decent bat, good fielder. So they obviously like him as a cricketer. Um, and I, I was really impressed with how he was straight into it. Um, there wasn't really any loose spells. He didn't look like he was feeling his way into it, into the game at all. He had a clear role. I'm sure he would have spoken with, 
Chris Silverwood, John Lewis, the, the head coach, bowling coach, and, and obviously Joe Root about what his role was going to be. So it's always nice to have clarity as a bowler when you know kind of you're told what you what you need to be doing. You're on board of it, you agree with it, and you go out there, and that's all you're thinking about. You're not overcomplicating things by you know worrying about your wrist position, all those type of things. And when you're out in the middle, you're just out there, bowl straight, bowl fast, bowl at the body. Um, and you know, come in in, in kind of short, sharp bursts and, and, and give you all hopefully get some reverse swing. In which case, you need to pitch it up a little bit further to give the ball a bit more of a chance. But um, yeah, I think he did, he, get, he gave a great account of himself. Be interesting to see how the squad goes moving forward. Mark Wood, he's back in the country now. I know, so he's doing his quarantine at the moment. We've got a little little bit of a gap to the third test now, which is a day nighter, which I'm sure we'll obviously talk about more later in the week when we preview that show. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a different set of conditions at a new stadium as well. So. I think Oli Stone, he did probably as well as he could have done in all things considered. As I said, he definitely, you know, I'm pretty sure he bowled more than Stuart Broad in, in the game. So that was nice. Joe Root obviously had confidence in in throwing in the ball as well. So I think um, Oli Stone can can really hold his head high. Just before we go to Mal, Ben Fox, a name we've touched on a couple of times in the show so far. Now, let me just say my take on him. I think Ben Fox may be just the best gloveman in world cricket. The guy is fantastic. First of all, Standing up to the stump to short broad, bowling at that pace. He wasn't bowling very slow, but yes, he was cutting the ball a lot and using different variations. But still, I think he stays down for so long. And I mean, really, for all the young kids out there, if you're wanting to be a wicket keeper, I think Ben Fox is the guy to watch. And then getting some runs, fighting runs with a 42 not out in the first innings. How satisfying is it as an England fan? You lose someone like a Josh Butler, but you can replace him with Ben Fultz. He came to the Caribbean, I remember, didn't get much games, but now he's definitely making a case for himself to play in the future and obviously will be for the rest of the series. So how impressed were you with Ben Fultz first, his wicket-keeping and then his batting? Uh, no, no, I haven't told you. I, I know folks you very well. We grew up on the academy. We were on the academy together at Essex. We came through uh, the Essex system. We both ended up leaving Essex around the same time. Um, I've played a lot of England lines with him. He was at my my wedding just over a year ago, so he's, he's one of my one of my good mates. So I know folks too well, and he's always been, um, you know, the best keeper, at, kind of at, definitely at his age group, and then often straight away above. He obviously he had to leave Essex, so you know James Foster. He played a bit for England. He's mm-hmm. kind of regarded as probably the best wicket keeper that England's ever produced. And unfortunately, when folks he was coming through at Essex. Uh, James Foster was was the wicket keeper, so he was never going to get a chance to to play, even though he deserved it. He was just playing as a specialist batsman, so he had to leave, and he ended up going to Surrey, where he's now the the number one keeper there. And you know, anybody that's seen folks he keep in county cricket for you know, however long has, has known how good he is. Uh, obviously, very good with the bat as well. Um, but yeah, he he really proved it. He was getting great reviews, wasn't he, on Twitter? Social media was just. You know, um, really pining over him about how um, how well he kept, as you say, standing up to the spinners. Some of those stumpings that he took, especially the one from Jack Leach, the one that went through uh, through the left armour, through the gate, down the leg side, and um, such such sharp work. It was you know it was almost faultless. A couple of you know small errors here and there. There wasn't a single buy or leg buy in the whole of the first innings I, I saw as well. So um, considering how much That's as you say one. he's considering how much he's travelled with. Um, the, the England squad and not played. Um, it's a credit to to come straight in and put in a performance like that. And he's in in the few performances he has given for England, he's shown you know what what a capable player he is with bat and obviously with with the gloves that like he's only played just put up his stat. He's only played six tests, but he's averaging mm. forty one. So um, he obviously he's, he's settled into his role nicely. He got one hundred and fifty to go with his 
Um, I think he got, got forty odd not out, didn't he, in the in the in England's first innings um, in this Test match. So, um, yeah, he probably couldn't have gone better for, for folks. And I'm I'm personally just really pleased for him. Obviously, a good mate of mine. Well, guys, you've heard it. Obviously, India fighting back and fighting back in a in a big way to leave to Nikhil, let me, even the... Nikhil, let me st- let me stop you there, mate. Whilst we're on air, I'll go give you two minutes. Let's talk about your boys over in Bangladesh. Sure, man. That's why not. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you, I, I know you've been staying. You've been staying up late watching that game. Give the give the people a little shout out to um to the boys at the Caribbean West Indies boys playing uh, playing those test matches out in Bangladesh for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so for a lot of people that are interested in this series may not know a lot about West Indies Bangladesh. So thank you, Tamar, for this opportunity. But <laughs> I just think it was a fantastic performance. I mean, the last time the West Indies went to Bangladesh, they were beaten in three days twice with the, with them with the main team. In this case, we've had a lot of inexperienced guys, guys in the top four that, that this was their first series. And and I thought the team rallied extremely well around the captain, Craig Brathwaite. We saw a double hundred by Kyle Mears. The whole world knows it now. And, and even other players that may not have been mentioned to that degree, but it was really a team performance we saw in all aspects. And I thought everyone in the team contributed in the series in some way. So in terms of West Indies cricket, I thought it was a very important series. And, and one thing that I thought was missing in West Indies cricket was the competition for places. And what this series did was reignite that fire and that flame in the West Indies. So for our first class system, it was great. And for West Indies cricket, it's even better because I think now we will see a lot more intense cricket because people know um, there are people banging on the door for their places. So a fantastic series. Credit to Craig Braffitt, credit to the coaching staff led by Phil Simmons. I think I'm a firm believer that this is a turning point in West Indies cricket. And I think you'll definitely see an ascendancy of, of the West Indies cricket in, in very soon. So thank you, Tamal. It was a great series. and <laughs> Happy to have all this world cricket to be able to speak about, man. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And we'll be back later in the week. We're going to break down the the IPL auction which is happening at the back end of the week so we're going to see what happens about that who um, see who's made themselves a lot of money and we'll have a look at the teams what guys get picked up obviously one of the smaller auctions this year not um, not one of the mega super auctions that's been pushed back to next year so we'll have a look at that and then we'll obviously we'll look ahead to the to the next day night test match you know I've met about as well so thanks again for everybody for listening and we'll uh, we'll catch you later on in the week thanks guys welcome to the picture Peace, Jeff.